Welcome to episode 36 of the Tech Done Right podcast, TableXI's podcast about building better software, careers, companies, and communities. I'm Noel Rappin. TableXI is now offering training for developer and product teams. Topics include testing, improving legacy JavaScript, career development, and agile team processes. For more information, email us at workshops at tablexi.com. We also have a free email course with tools on improving your company's career growth and goal strategy, which you can find at stickynote.game. We're doing something different today, simultaneously releasing two related episodes. Both episodes are about onboarding employees during their first 100 days. In this episode, we talk about onboarding from the employee perspective. Joining me are Katie Gore of Speech IRL and corporate improv trainer Elizabeth tripkowski hodis We talk about what a new employee can do to navigate the cultural environment of a new workplace, what are some useful strategies for learning, and what problems to look out for. Check out episode 37 for the other side where we discuss onboarding issues from the company point of view. But here I am with Katie and Elizabeth. Katie, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Katie. I am the founder and president of Speech IRL here in Chicago. My background is as a speech language pathologist, and our practice does everything from clinical speech intervention to professional communication coaching, um, especially in the areas of neurodiversity and voice. And we also have Elizabeth Trepkowski Hodis. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Trepkowski Hodis. Uh, I'm the founder of Elizabeth Hodis Corporate Improv Training. Uh, I've spent over 12 years in sales and marketing uh, and over 15 years uh, performing and uh, teaching and uh, studying improvisation uh, here in Chicago, amongst other areas. Cool. So, the topic that we're going to talk about today is onboarding. This is part of a, a two-episode series that we're doing on, on starting at a new company. And in this, in this episode, we're going to talk about what individuals should do or can do when they come to new company, what they should do in like their first 100 days to get acclimated to a new culture or a new environment. What do you think is the most important thing for somebody to do uh, to get a handle on a new place when they get started at a new company? So my approach to that, coming from sort of the, the clinical science background or the sociology background, all the various sciences that pertain to communication, is I approach it as a general social science question of how do you integrate into a group? Um, there actually is a lot of research that's been done observationally. And then from that data we, that we've pulled out that to be able to say, oh, these are sort of the principles of how you can do it if you find yourself in this situation. And it applies, whether it's a social group, whether it's a middle schooler trying to, you know, join the new cliques at their new school, um, or it's an adult entering a new workplace, at sort of the mid-career stage or higher or lower. Um, and so for me, the first principle that you always want to do anytime you're in any interaction, whether it's entering a new culture, which a new company would be, or even a small group of say two or three people in the lunchroom is you observe first. And I think Noel, you had made a reference to entering a new culture and becoming integrated into a new culture. And that's the challenging part or one of the challenging parts about starting a new job is you are entering into this new culture and you don't necessarily know what it is. And you've probably had a little bit of a taste of it through the interview process and maybe talking to some other people who work there, but you haven't really experienced it yet, right? Um, and of course, what's reported and what actually plays out can be a little bit different as well. So the main thing that you want to do, at least from sort of what a lot of the research 
describes is observe first and kind of take your own data and just see what the patterns are. Um, Everything from stylistically, uh, you know, does everyone say hi as soon as they walk in the door? Or is this a quieter place where everyone seems to be heads down and then they perk up and have social interactions at sort of specific times of day? Um, And you probably have your own personal preferences for what you do, but in order to not throw your new coworkers off kilter, you want to kind of see what they're doing first. And then it's a little bit of monkey see monkey do early on until you feel more comfortable. And then you can kind of start to experiment a little bit. What kinds of things then are you looking for? What kinds of things should you be on the lookout for as being positive signs or negative signs or signs of how you should be expected to interact with a new group? I think it's especially important when, um, because to your point, Katie, um, you know, observe, uh, monkey see, kind of monkey do, picking up the social cues. And you can really do that by entering into the conversation subtly. Start um, with basic, I think we've all been exposed to um, basic mirroring habits, um, but really picking up that. Um, But I think the important thing to do it is do it in an authentic way. So if someone's very outgoing and using their hands and everything, it may be too much if you're out there, you know, using your hands, but you can have that same maybe tone. You can have that same excitement that they're having in the conversation, but do it in an authentic way that you would observe and do. Uh, That way, when you're engaging in the first conversations with your new coworkers, you're taking that mirroring, you're internalizing it and making sure if they're passionate about something, you can be as excited with them. If they're a little bit more cautious, you can sit back in the hair and be more cautious with them, but in an authentic way, personalize it to yourself and your strengths and what you bring to the table too. I think that's a really nice way to then say, okay, uh, I understand what this kind of group environment is. I understand what the vibe of this is. And it could be different at different times. So maybe in a meeting, there's a lot of people talking over each other, or maybe in a meeting, it's very structured. Just observe that and then filter in your um, perspective as appropriate into those environments. Yeah, I think those are some great examples. Other things that I look for are, are just sort of you know, concrete ways to break down communication are things like initiation of conversations. So, you know, who initiates with who and how often. So again, you know, when people walk in first thing in the morning, do you say, you know, in some offices, everybody says hello to everybody as they walk in. In other offices, everybody walks in, just goes down and sits at their desk. And then you maybe don't greet your coworkers until you run into them in the kitchen or the office or a common space. Um, Is there chatter throughout the day? And how long does it last? You know, do people seem to be standing by the water cooler for 15 minutes on the regular? Or is it, you know, you have a real quick one, two conversational turn exchange as you're passing each other to go to the bathroom? Um, Do people have conversations in groups? You know, if there's a group of two, does a third person tend to wander in a fourth person? Or do people sort of keep to just, you know, the one or two people who are sitting in their general vicinity? Um, And I think everything that you were saying, Elizabeth, of things like, volume and tone. Is it like, hey, everyone, how's it going? There are workplaces where people do that. And then there's other ones where it's just a very quiet, uh, more muted, you know, interpersonal, hello, how was your weekend kind of thing. Uh, You know, my experience really is that that one of the biggest differences between office environments is like the amount of ambient noise that, that people are comfortable with. And I've even had that be different. It just, just by walking down the hall, I, I was once a team of developers that was sort of housed right next to a team of salespeople. And you could, you know, with your eyes closed, tell which environment you are in because the sales, <laughs> you know, not only, not only were the salespeople spending a lot of their time on their phone, but they were on their phones doing sales calls, but there was also just a lot of, a lot more, a lot of higher tolerance for kind of 
ambient chatter than the developers uh, who tended not to do that. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's especially important to read read that part of the room, um, understanding your role in the organization. I also think in that, that first hundred days or just when you're getting started, you know, to also even reach across those corners, if it's the sales and marketing team, um, if that's the team you're on, or if you're on, you know, with developers to reach kind of across those aisles and have conversations or coffees with a wide variety of people in the office, just to get a sense of the different environments within it. Um, people that you're going to be working with, maybe not a ton, but get a better understanding of the role and how it all kind of fits together in the organization. I think that's a really uh, critical thing to do, especially as you're getting started. Yeah. One of the things that it, it always occurs to me as I, as I you know, change jobs and things like that is that you kind of wind up coming in in the middle of a conversation where everybody else has a shared context that you don't have and you have to kind of try and, and figure it out. Um, and some places are more or less hostile to having people come in and try and figure that out. But like, what kind of things can people do to help get that kind of context or get that, that kind of implicit information out of their coworkers, out of their environment? I think there's a lot of different ways you can approach um, getting the just that intrinsic knowledge. Uh, not, I, I don't want to say out of your coworkers, but engaged with your coworkers so you have a better understanding of the context that you're entering into. One of the ways is, Honestly, even just getting out of the office for a second, taking someone to coffee, um, whether it's someone on your team, even your manager, uh, another person uh, that maybe you'll have some interaction with, maybe a a counterpart, something like that. Uh, Just getting out out of the space into a neutral environment where you can have a a candid conversation, where you can ask the questions that you'd like to know a little bit more information about. Um, And people tend to be, at least in my experience, uh, people tend to be a little bit more forthcoming when uh, it's a neutral space and, you know, you're having a cup of coffee, it's casual, you can get a lot of that kind of information from just being able to say, hey, let's just go grab a quick coffee. Or even if you want to put something a little bit more formal, go grab lunch or whatever that may be. Even if there's uh, any team events or happy hours or something at the start of it, I think it's really nice to be able to go. I know not everyone has that luxury uh, um, after working hours to be able to do that. But if you can, it's another way to at least learn some of that context uh, that you're kind of walking into. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on that, I think that's, I I love that angle, Elizabeth, of getting outside of the the standard environment um, is also adjusting the number of people that you're with at a given time. So there is a difference in how we interact in groups based on the group size, right? A group of two or a pair uh, is very different than a group of 10. And I think at a company, you will see themes of the culture permeate through different group sizes, um, but you're also going to see more individuality come out in those smaller groups. And so it can be a safe, so that is a safer place to ask questions or to maybe a little, let a little bit more of your style come through your individuality, see how people react to it and get some feedback there. And also insight as to, you know, if you're with a group of three people and they're talking about how they're going to handle the upcoming large group meeting that has 10 people in it, that's going to give you some insight. So you have more flexibility, the smaller the group size is, and you can use those more flexible, smaller groups to practice and learn some things that will, I guess, give you some tools or background information as you go up into the larger groups. When you talk about themes of culture or themes of communication, what kinds of things are you talking about? What are some of the differences in different company cultures that you're kind of talking about? 
Um, oh, I actually like Elizabeth referenced earlier, uh, you know, is there a culture where people can talk over each other a lot? Uh, you know, it's this very sort of everybody throws out their ideas when they have something to say, or is it more structured where in a meeting, you know, the person with the most seniority always speaks first and then it kind of goes down or, um, you know, certain people within a, a certain group or department are kind of implicitly or explicitly appointed as the spokesperson for that group. And, you know, there's always going to be more dominant and more passive personality styles, even outside of hierarchy. And how does that play out? You know, some companies make a really good point of soliciting communication from people who might not be as forthcoming, either because they're concerned about it, or just because that's their personality. Um, And other companies just sort of, uh, sort of Lord of the Flies, where if you're the loudest talker, you know, you get the longest talking time. And those are some of the the things you want to look for. How much is that reined in or embraced or enabled? Yeah, I think too. I love those. Those are such good examples. And I think we've all um, been in those kind of different environments and had to adjust accordingly. Um, Also the environments, uh, uh, you know, what's the working hours expectation? Um, I know I've been at companies where uh, if I wasn't on my email, like after I went home and just quickly checking in to make sure everything's going okay, um, that was almost frowned upon. So there is some of that, um, I won't call it more rigid culture where it's like there's less of a separation, but they do have expectations of you, you know, checking your email at night to make sure things are still moving forward, things like that. Um, But I've also been environments where if you do that, they ask what's wrong. So I think there's, there's even those environments and cultures where you have to understand like the working hours or the working kind of type that you're stepping into to make sure that how you're perceived or how you do your work um, is in line with that kind of culture. Because it's it's very strange to uh, be called in and be like, hey, you checked, you were on email last night. What happened? Were we, were, did we not get enough done during the day versus I didn't see you on email? Why weren't you on email? And it, it's a very different culture to experience. Have you guys been in those environments? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been in an environment where, where people actually like stopped me from being online uh, answering email after work hours. Um, although I have been in case places that encourage it or discourage it to different amounts. But I, I think that one thing that that says to me is that you need to be prepared to be flexible and appreciate that the way that you have uh, been accustomed to doing things before is not going to be the, the expectation at at, the, at your new place of, of work and, and to sort of learn from the example and from the feedback that you get from the other employees uh, and take that into account as you continue to approach your workday. I also think it's really important to figure out who actually runs things. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and who actually can get things done and who's in charge of office supplies, which is a completely separate concern from communicate all the yes. fine communication things that we've been talking about. These are the really important things. Yes, for sure. I really think so. I, I think it's really critical to um, understand, you know, those type of roles in an organization. Every organization has them. Everyone has someone you go to, like, we'll get something done. And you'll learn the strengths of, you'll start to learn the strengths of your coworkers and kind of who is in that type of role. Um, and I think it's really interesting to, especially when you're 30, 60, up to that 100 days on the job, uh, you have a unique position of being new. So you can go up to them and be like, hey, um, you know, I really want to learn a little bit about how you do X. Uh, can I sit with you? Can I shadow you? 
Uh, and I'm such a big believer in shadowing, especially when you're new on a job, uh, because you get to hear so many different conversations. You get to see a little bit how they work, um, get to experience their strengths, and then kind of take it back into your process, how you're approaching your job, even how they organize themselves. And one one thing I think is actually, and I, I don't mean to shift conversation a little bit, but within that first 100 day, how you organize yourself up front and how you approach that first 100 days, I think is really critical. Uh, because if you're not organized, you don't have a plan of action. Action. You know, you can do so much, but you may not set yourself up for success. So I think um, aligning yourself with people who have different types of strengths in the organization, you know, who can get something done or who's really good at this, etc. And then organizing yourself uh, to make sure you're the most you're successful in that position and starting off on the right foot is also important. Right, because you're not only in the first hundred days. You're not only getting the impressions of everybody else at your new place of work. They're also getting their impressions of you and what you can do and how you uh, uh, choose to approach your work. Do you have any advice for how to best or most consistently present yourself in a new environment? The first place I typically start or recommend starting is actually with your manager. I think, and Katie, I think we talked a little bit about this um, before, but when we have that relationship with our manager, um, we one-on-one understand their communication style. So setting up an upfront meeting with them, maybe in the first, depending on their schedule, maybe they're traveling or whatever, but as soon as you can, get a meeting on the books where you would talk about like their communication style. How do they prefer to be communicated with? Um, what are important metrics that you want to make sure um, you're hitting and then also um, informing them about so that if you're in a larger organization, they can flow that up. Or if you know you're in a smaller organization, you're just on the same page. So really understanding and learning their communication style, um, and then also understanding the metrics by which you're measured by, and then how you guys can effectively communicate and work together. So are they the kind of manager that wants a once a week, 30 minutes that you can just do a quick check-in to make sure things are you know, uh, going well? Do they want maybe a daily recap? Whatever that is, whatever you guys decide, I think just the first thing to get organized with is just, especially with impressions, is just get on the same page as your manager um, and do it as fast as you can and efficiently as you can um, so that your manager knows what to expect from you. You know what to expect from them. That's set and then it's consistent. Not to say that, you know, as you evolve in your role, that won't change a little bit, but I think it sets a really good precedence that you've come forward and said, hey, I want to have a better understanding of the metrics. I want to know what the best way to communicate you, with you is. Here's kind of how I've communicated if your manager really doesn't have a kind concrete, you know, way of communicating, you can present an idea to them. Um, And that way, everything's consistent right from the get go. Really understanding the expectations is key. And so to the most extent possible that you can have explicit clarified expectations of your manager is probably the best person to get that from, like Elizabeth was saying, Um, but also kind of having a sense of generally what people expect of new people. Um, And also calling back to something you said, Elizabeth, of you can use the fact that you're new to your advantage, right? Um, Even if you're coming in at a mid or somewhat senior position, we typically have lower expectations of new people. We do expect that they're going to, you know, step on an awkward foot or something like that um, because they're new and because they don't have that context that you were talking about. So both getting the explicit expectations as best as you can but then internally setting the expectations for yourself of you're only going to be able to do so much to integrate on day one and then on day 10 and on day 30. And probably, hopefully, um, you will be able to do much better on day 30 than you did on day one or you did on day two. So I think for most people coming into a new job, 
the immediate expectation of focus is on just getting the the basics of the actual tasks done, right? Okay, like, you know, I'm getting paid, what am I getting paid for? Um, I need to focus on those things and kind of understand that get the context for that. Um, And then kind of just keep an eye out for the social, the communication aspects to see what I can learn as I'm going about that. Um, And then sort of plan for yourself, that organization that you were talking about, Elizabeth, how can I slowly build as I see more context, as I experience more context, I can start to branch out into other areas in terms of both what I'm doing with my tasks and initiatives I'm taking on that sort of thing, but also how I interact with people, how much of my own style I show. Um, So understanding that you do have that 100 day runway and what you're doing on day 99 is going to be totally different than what you're doing on day one. And that's okay. So where do you want to be on day 99 and work backwards from that and give yourself permission to, you know, be a little bit awkward and be a little bit out of your element because you are out of your element. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I tell junior developers that I think applies to anybody starting a new job is that your superpower, uh, I actually stole this from a talk by uh, um, Catherine Wu, the junior developer's superpower is asking questions. Uh, and I think that's true of any uh, anybody entering a new environment. Like you have a certain amount of freedom to say like, hey, why do we do things this way? what do you expect, like what's actually going on here? And I think that that it's both to your benefit and to the company's benefit if you take advantage of that. Absolutely. You, I think you almost, you have, you have to take advantage of that. That's, that's your role. And I think there's a way to do it in a very systematic way to set yourself up for the most success that way. Because as you're learning, I mean, we all, we've all started a job and I actually, uh, I had a friend who texted me uh, the other day and said, Oh, I, you know, I, I have to cancel my life for the next month. I just started a new job. And I, I think that feels very real to so many of us. And I think I've been in that position where it's like you're, you're working so hard and you're trying to learn all these new things that your brain is so fried by the time you get home, you just need that decompression. So really all you can focus focus on is that job. But if you put like a systematic way to approach the job uh, so that like, you know, hey, the first start, I'm going to have that meeting with my manager. Second part, I'm going to write a list of all the systems I need to learn. Um, and I think this is actually a table XI uh, Mark Rickmeyer quote, but he says, don't boil the ocean. And I think that's really important here, especially in the first hundred days of a new job is not to boil the ocean. Um, you know, set up each day a task that, you know, you want to work on to get to, if it's learning a product, learning a service, um, having coffee with someone, learning a system, whatever that may be, write it down, write down and put it on a list of things you want to learn. But also while you're learning that, um, to your point earlier, um, you have those chances to ask questions and why do we do it this way? Write those down. If you're just uh, you're doing a self-study, or if you're sitting with someone and in a meeting maybe or later and you're one-on-one with a manager or whatever that may be, you want to talk about those things. If while you're having that kind of self-study or working with someone, if you write it down, you're more likely to remember it and more likely to be able to impact it later. And you also could be in one of those cultures. And I, I've been in a culture like this and I've been in very different cultures where um, when you're new, you want they don't really want you to say much in the first couple of weeks. But what I made sure I did was write down my kind of thoughts. And once I integrated a little bit more into the culture, understood it, understood how to approach some things, um, I had those notes with me from when I had just started and had that fresh perspective so that I could readdress those things and I could take advantage down the line when I did have a little bit more of that credibility intrinsically built now. I was able to address things that I learned just at the beginning. So I think it's really 
uh, critical to have that kind of systematic learning in place where you have that list that you go wherever, if it's on Trello or wherever you're going to keep that list, but to go through it and then also say, okay, take notes on your learning and be able to ask those kind of questions, be able to address them. And maybe you're in a culture where you can do that right away. Maybe you're not, but having that to reference back to, I think is really important. Yeah, we have a new, relatively new employee at Table XI who's continually writing new things on sticky notes uh, whenever she comes across something she wants to know more about later on and just has her desk sort of decorated with all the sticky notes of all the things that she wants to go come back to and learn later on. You said a word that I want to follow up on a little bit. You said credibility uh, is something that you build over over your first over your time at a job. Like, what are some things that you can do concretely to build that kind of credibility with a, a new set of coworkers? Interesting question. I because I'm thinking now. Okay, when I have a new person that I'm working with, what leads me to think of that person as credible? And then I have some other words coming to my mind, which are things like reliable and consistent. So presumably there's some level of credibility because they've been hired to do a certain task and they've been vetted on paper and you know to different degrees in person. To me, I think being credible, there's a big amount of trust in there. Trust that you know what you're doing, sort of from a competence standpoint. Um, trust that you will do the things you know how to do from a, an action and a setting priorities and, and taking care of other people point of view. Um, so I think for me personally, credibility would be when you say you're going to do something, do it and establishing a track record of that. Um, or, you know, or that could be establishing a track record of, you know, if, if I encounter something I don't know how to do, um, you know, I, I go ask people how to do it. I go look up resources. I can be depended upon and trusted to do something well because I will use all of the tools at my disposal to do that. Um, so I think, and, and for humans, we, we really like uh, predictability, um, right? It's very, very challenging to work with someone who says they'll do something and then doesn't do it, or we were expecting one thing and something else happens. So to the extent that you can be predictable and reliable and dependable, um, I, I think for me, that's a huge aspect of credibility. I think that one of the worst things that you can do, and it's so tempting, is to agree to do something you don't really know how to do and then kind of flogger <laughs> at it. I feel like, yeah, like credibility and trust are about like saying you're going to do something and then doing it and finding something that you can do that with early on is really great. Some small way, some small tool that you know about that nobody else, that nobody at the new company knows about, um, some small task that you can take on and complete that those can be really important. And it's actually that credibility thing, I think is one of the things that that's, uh, in my experience, at least, a much of a sharper problem if you're coming in at a senior level than if you're coming in at a junior level. If you come in at a senior level, there are, are higher expectations of what you're going to be able to do plausibly in your first few days. Yeah, I think it's. I think to that point, uh, it's really important to understand and know your strengths, what you're really good at. And then play to those strengths in the first 100 days. I mean, you don't obviously have to be obnoxious about it and be like, hey, I'm really good at this. And like That could be a little out of control. Watching that, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what's happening? But I think to, to that point, it's just knowing your strengths and then knowing the different tasks that are going to show you in the best light, especially at the first 100 days. I really think that if you understand yourself and understand what kind of tasks will sh uh, show you in the best light, then I think you'll help build that credibility along with what you've been talking about, about consistency and doing what you're saying you're going to do, which is 
absolutely critical. You have to be able to do that. Uh, but then if you can, you know, take on some projects that show what you're capable of and what you can bring to the table um, in a really respectful way. What if, and I say this purely hypothetically, your strength is not like being comfortable going up to new people and trying to find out <laughs> exactly what's going on uh, at a new company. Like what if the whole concept uh, of dealing with your coworkers makes you incredibly nervous? Like what are some things that you can do to ease that as you head into a new workplace? So something I was thinking actually, as you were talking, Elizabeth, I think owning your strengths is so important or kind of knowing your strength, but also and this speaks to your question, Noel, the idea of owning your weaknesses. And that also goes back to the junior developer thing, right? That is kind of a superpower is being really good at asking questions. But I think that's something a lot of people have a hard time with, right? We come into a new company, it's a new job. We want to impress people. We want to have that good first impression and get off on the right foot. Um, and so we're very focused on being really, really good. And, you know, depending on the role, we might be aware that, yeah, it's okay to ask questions and I should ask questions and it's okay. People are expecting me to not know everything, but really being honest about, you know, what you're not as comfortable with. Um, and, and especially for folks who do have a harder time with, yeah, meeting tons and tons and tons of new people at once. I, I've definitely worked with a couple of folks who have almost used the things they're uncomfortable with or that they're worried about, especially if they are at that more senior complex position where, um, you know, just to do the job, you have to be aware of context so much. And of course, again, you don't have that when you first start or don't have a solid handle on it. Um, and that is often the introductory point. Um, so they say, hey, you know, I was brought into this very senior role because of my specialized knowledge in this. I'm always a little bit you know, kind of struggle meeting new people sometimes, or, you know, it takes a lot for me to get comfortable with people. So I'm going to do my best, but, you know, can you help me out? And that can help build that collaborative trusting spirit. So, you know, there's a lot of wordsmithing and tone and tricky stuff to figure out how you do that. And that's probably a separate podcast conversation. But I think being very honest with embracing and owning not so much weaknesses, but just the areas that you don't feel as strong in. You know, you, you don't have to be all strengths in order to impress people and to leave a good impression. And I think increasingly in companies, companies are appreciating when coworkers or colleagues and employees are honest about, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. You know, they'd rather have, some, have them reach out to someone and ask for help or, um, you know, say that they need some support. I love that. And I think that speaks to credibility, too, uh, because you're owning you know, you're owning your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, but you're, you're, you're telling people you're being upfront with them. And if someone's upfront with me, um, I love it. I'm more than happy to be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, absolutely. If this is something you, you know, you have a harder time with, you know, how can I help? What can I do? And then also when you're working with other people, I think knowing if someone does that really well and they can help you or if they're on board with you, it's really nice to have that because then they feel included and they feel valued and you're using that maybe something that you perceived as a weakness to create credibility and then also help someone else feel um, included, valued, and heard. What do you do if you start getting red flags, if things start feeling not right? Like, What are things that you can encounter in a new company that you should be uh, worried about? And what are the kinds of things that you can do if you get into that kind of situation? So I, this, I remember this happened very clearly to me once. I started a new job. Um, and I had a couple people that I worked with very directly and very closely. Um, and then, you know, sort of every so often interactions with the rest of the organization at large. Um, and the person that I 
physically was placed the closest to in terms of our offices. Um, and she was very friendly to me and was very helpful to me. And so I, you know, really appreciated that. And I tried to respond and, and, you know, sort of be very open with her. And I realized about three months in that she was a horrible, toxic person, like to the point that many months down the road, I actually had to go to the, the leader of the organization and be like, I seriously think you might want to remove this person from the organization. It, it was like really, really, really bad. Um, and it, but it took me about three months to realize that this was the person that I had sort of made my ally. Um, and it, it wasn't, but it took that amount of time for me to see how she was interacting with other people and what she was doing to really realize how awful it was. And I, I don't know that this is the, the recommended approach, but um, the approach I took in this particular case was back out slowly. Um, if you sort of find that you've gone in the wrong direction, I think it can be very jarring to suddenly, you know, jump ship onto a whole other ship. You know, especially if it's on a relationship aspect, you might shock the other person and um, or group of people, and, and they might be very confused about that, and it will cause more waves. Um, but if you sort of slowly move towards more of the direction you want to go, and small gradual changes aren't going to draw as much attention, um, and so the the thing that you're backing out of it won't surprise or shock the people there or the functions there if it's a task oriented situation. Um, and then as you slowly move into other areas, again, it won't sort of disrupt what's already going on over there. But I would also be curious to hear other people's experiences and thoughts. Yeah, I think toxic or when you start seeing like small red flags, uh, I do the CYA, just cover yourself basically, um, especially, I mean, maybe, and this is even hard, this is really hard. So what if you end up in a situation where maybe it's your manager that you're getting some red flags from? And I think we've probably all at one point or another been in a situation where maybe we're seeing some red flags coming that way. And something I've done, and I'd be, I'd love to hear your uh, perspectives on this too. I always make sure that I go back to that consistency and make sure that everything that I set up from that day one or the first time I had that meeting with my manager about communication, the styles, um, everything that I'm doing is setting myself one up to if that if that those red flags start to come from like a management level, I know I'm meeting the measurements, I'm meeting our expectations, I've got my written level, I've got my verbal level. And I'm also I'm really a big believer that you want to make sure that all of that is in writing. All of that is like a nice kind of little box of communication so that when you start to see red flags coming up or you notice some things, you can make sure at least you know that you've done everything possible to show that you're, you're meeting the standards, you're meeting the metrics that they need to be met. You, you're keeping an open channel of communication. And if there's any ever question or things come up, you have all of that backing and information to make sure that you can go back and say, well, here, you know, here's the process that we went through. Um, is there anything I missed? Um, and I think that's really important across the board to have that. The, the worst experience I ever had personally was a, 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 basically an absence of information. Um, I was hired into a very small company and, and nobody really gave me any, like they, they put me in a desk and they threw me at some stuff that I didn't really know how to do. And they kind of like sort of shrugged and <laughs> just like uh, the, the physical layout of the company of the, the company's office space made it and, and my office made it very hard to like casually find somebody to talk to somebody to talk in any way. Uh, and nobody else was, was, 
really interested in supporting me at all. I had a, my concrete measure of, of how bad it was, was how far I would get into my music playlists during the day, because normally I don't get very far because, <laughs> because people, yeah, people talk to me or I do, or I'm doing something that requires concentration. So I don't play music. And this was a, like, uh, I was getting, you know, uh, listening to unbelievable amounts of music during the day, which indicated to me that I wasn't actually doing <laughs> no. anything. I wasn't doing anything. And, and I, it was a situation where it was very uncomfortable, not just because I, not only because I was uncomfortable with it, but because the physical setup of the company made it really difficult to casually like bump into people and ask them what was going on. And, and they were just, you know, there was just no support at all. And um, I actually wound up leaving there after only, I don't know, like 10 weeks or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in part coincidentally and in part just because the environment seemed like so unwelcoming that, I mean, I was not a, necessarily a very senior at that point, maybe, but I was, you know, felt like I was really uh, floundering and, and felt enough confidence in myself to know that I, that some of that was based on the environment and that I would be happier not being in that environment. When I think that takes a lot of uh, just self-awareness to know that this isn't going to work out. And that, that does happen. I mean, it, it does. I had a friend who left her job after two weeks because she knew that this is going to end up on her resume and it wasn't going to be a good situation. Um, so having that kind of ability to be like, you know what, I've seen these red flags. This isn't going to work for me. And then being able to say, hey, I'm out. <laughs> See you guys later. I would say they were not happy. Like I gave them notice at 10 weeks and they were really quite upset with me and, and in, to a certain extent kind of pushed back financially in terms of certain things that they didn't do that they probably should have. So you have to be prepared for that, I think. <laughs> But yeah, I think you need to be, you know, one of the things that can happen when you go into a new company is it just doesn't work and you need to be prepared for that, that eventuality, I think. Yeah, that, that's the whole issue of the context, right? Context and culture, and it takes time. Um, and we were kind of talking before about, you know, what you can do to go in to um, be consistent and be credible and have your, you know, sort of facilitate the best in integration for yourself, but also having, being aware of the possibility that, for who you are authentically and who you want to be and how you need to work, it, it might not be a good fit. Um, you know, and fit is really that whatever the environment has to offer is enough. There's enough of an overlap of that Venn diagram of what you need. Um, and if you get in there and it turns out that that overlap of what you need and what they're offering is not big enough, um, you know, being able to think your way through that and then act accordingly. Yeah. And I think a lot of that takes, um, it does take some guts. It does take some courage to say, Hey, this isn't working for me. Um, but owning, I love that to that, your point, Katie, owning that part of the process that is this a fit for me and what do I need out of it? I, I love that point. I think that's really very true because ultimately it's where you spend the majority of your time and you want to make sure that you're getting out of it what you need. That seems like a good note just to start to wrap up on. Uh, is there anything, <laughs> any other pieces of advice, quick pieces of advice, uh, that you can give to people uh, that will help them in their first days at a new job? Take a deep breath. <laughs> it'll, it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> sometimes we forget to like uh, take it in, take a breath, know you're new, know it's going to take a bit, but set up your plan, set up your plan, talk to your manager, understand that relationship and the metrics you're measured by, take time to meet your coworkers, and then get yourself organized and make yourself, I always do this, and so this is my little fun piece of advice, all of my inboxes have had a, a smile folder, 
because um, I always know I'm going to have a day where nothing goes right and things just kind of seem like they're falling apart. So I always look back in my smile folder to make sure I remember, oh, hey, yeah, there, you know, here's good things that have happened and good things I've done or even a funny little YouTube video. I don't know, whatever you want in there. Um, but, you know, do something nice for yourself. Take a deep breath and follow your plan. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll yeah borrow from that or take inspiration from that. Um, I think mine would be at the outset, what are you going to give yourself permission to not do well and know that that's okay? Um, like you said, Elizabeth, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have rough days, and yeah, you're gonna come in and, and you know be excited and want to make a good first impression, and you're gonna have a long list of mental shoulds and I should okay, I need to do this, I should do this, I want to do this, um, but there's gonna be a lot of things that you know you can't do or you know can't do super great right off the bat, um, either from the interpersonal communication interaction part or just as you're learning the the basic task ropes. Um, cause you don't have that context. You don't have the relationships and the knowledge built yet. Um, and that's okay. And that's totally normal. So by giving yourself permission to not be so great at some things that will allow your strengths to shine and that will allow you to put the effort and the focus on the things that do matter in the first 10 days in the first 20 days in the first 30 days. Um, and then, those, okay, now I can move my focus to these other areas is going to come towards the 75, 80, 90 day mark. Great. Uh, where can people find you online if they want to talk to you more about this or anything else? This is Katie. Um, you can find me online at speechirl.com, which is speech in real life, or on Twitter at, at speechirl. And you can shoot me an email at katie at speechirl.com. That's K-A-T-I-E at speechirl.com. You can find me, Elizabeth Tripkowski Hodes. You can find me on LinkedIn under Elizabeth Tripkowski Hodes. And then ElizabethHodes.com is coming soon. So that should be um, in the next month or so, we should be launching that. So Before we go, I'd like to remind you to please check out episode 37, where we discuss onboarding from the company's perspective. Tech Done Right is a production of TableXI and is hosted by me, Noel Rappin. I'm at Noel Rapp on Twitter, and TableXI is at TableXI. The podcast is edited by Mandy Moore. You can reach her on Twitter at the Ruby Rep. Tech Done Right can be found at techdoneright.io or downloaded wherever you get your podcasts. And I just found out that includes Spotify. You can send us feedback or ideas on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right. TableXI is a UX design and software development company in Chicago with a 15-year history of building websites, mobile applications, and custom digital experiences for everyone from startups to storied brands. Find us at tablexi.com where you can learn more about working with us or working for us. We are particularly looking for project manager roles right now, so please check that out at our careers page. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Tech Done Right.